In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. As a freshly minted clergy person at St Luke's Mosman Park a couple years ago, I will always remember that one Sunday, just after reading the Gospel, which was a bit hard on the ears, like today's, one man behind me mutter, Well, that was cheerful. Cheerful indeed. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Yikes. It's not like this woman is one of the Pharisees or scribes who usually get the hard words. This is just someone who wants her daughter healed. So what's going on? At one level, it's rather straightforward. This is pointing towards the inclusion of Gentiles or people who aren't Jewish in the reconciling work that God was doing through Christ. We're all Gentiles here, and we just take it for granted that, of course, we are grafted into God's people. But this text, this passage, reflects a time when there was still contention around that. Indeed, that was one of the first major crises for the early church to work through. But there is more to learn from this event. First off, it's helpful to know that dogs in first century Palestine, particularly in Jewish communities, were not the precious designer dogs worth thousands of dollars that we are increasingly familiar with now. What we might like to call an adorable, darling, golden German shepherdoodle, or something like that, that was funny, come on, golden German shepherdoodle, they'd probably be content to just call it a mutt or a dog. And dogs were regarded as unclean. So if you've travelled to developing countries, remember that thing, travel? And seen the scavenging dogs that are common on the streets, that's a good picture to have in mind. So from what I understand, it would have been very rare for Jewish households to keep dogs as pets and to have dogs even in the house. However, if you went to Gentile territory to areas more attuned to Roman practice and customs, as Jesus is doing in this event, dogs were to be found as pets. And it was a far more common thing to have dogs around the house in a way that would be more familiar to us. So who hasn't seen a kid gleefully dropping food on the floor um, where a dog is waiting to snatch it up and saving efforts on a vacuum cleaner? But in Jesus' experience, dogs are scavengers, so they're they're kept separate and certainly out of the house. So in a way, in a way, this Gentile woman is saying, where I come from, we actually take care of the dogs. They have a place, even in the household. And that is a stunning turnaround 
So instead of being outraged or hurt into silence or something like that, she leans into the metaphor which is offered and frames it into a faithful response, a compassionate response. And the truth is, of course there is enough of God's mercy and blessing and abundance to go around. Of course there is. She knows it and Jesus knows it. So from a narrative point of view, the feeding of the 5,000 in Jewish territory, it's only happened a chapter ago. And there were 12 baskets left over from that event. And feeding metaphors are important in the Bible. They're about more than just filling stomachs. They're about being a guest at God's table, about being part of God's kingdom. Nevertheless, this is still an awkward story to engage with. It's one of those parts of Jesus' story that would have been so much nicer to leave out. How easy would it be for early critics of the faith to say, you look to this person as God in the flesh, as the human face of God, and look at this encounter, and more, what kind of God is beaten in argument by a foreign woman and changes their mind? And there's another awkward thing. Though, though we hear the words in this gospel um, as addressing Jesus as sir, that's what she calls him, sir, the word in Greek is actually kurie or kyrie which is the word meaning Lord. She is addressing him as Lord, and she is the first person in Mark's Gospel to intentionally address Jesus as Lord. So she does warrant acknowledgement by the church in this encounter as having an important insight before many others did. And whilst they don't feature in this story... It is thinkable that Jesus' disciples are there on the sidelines watching this encounter. They must have been, otherwise we wouldn't have this event recorded. So I think that for them, for those disciples watching, this is a significant, teachable moment about how the mission of God is changing direction from their point of view, from what they initially expected. And I think this story, might not seem like it, is actually related to another passage from Mark's Gospel involving women, that being the resurrection narrative. So both of those events are vital turning points. And the clue for that link, is in the opening words of the passage, where it says, From there he set out and went to the region of Tyre. Sounds innocent enough. But a better way of translating that, if I can be so bold, would be, rising up, Jesus went away to the region of Tyre. 
rising up. And that language, rising language, is deliberate resurrection language. It's a pointer to new life that is breaking through in this encounter. And look what happens next. We don't hear it in what we heard today, but whilst he's in the Decapolis region where the deaf man has had his hearing restored, just after that, there is the other major feeding event known as the feeding of the 4,000. And this time, in a majority Gentile region. And again, baskets left over. Feeding of the 5,000 in Jewish territory, this encounter, feeding of the 4,000 in Gentile territory. God's abundance on display. But who is in and who is out is always, always a point of contention. It just always is. Just who is our neighbour? Surely this person or group of people doesn't count. We love to draw lines of distinction, of division. And the letter of James highlights that well with his critique of rich, poor preferentiality and says, if you show partiality, you commit sin. We don't need to revisit every point in history where that sort of dynamic has been at work. But the church has gone through this on Gentiles and Jews, the inclusion of divorced persons not so long ago, the leadership of women, and in other parts of the church family, the debate may be around, do you speak in tongues or not? Do you have the exact same approach to the authority of scripture that we do? just goes on and on. Partiality. So for what it's worth, for what it's worth, when I look at the full picture of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, I think it's best to err on the side of generosity. Err on the side of generosity. God always has more. For us and our neighbour, always. Our Lord Jesus Christ hosts a feast for saints and sinners. And there is room there for us as well. Thanks be to God for that. The Lord be with you.